Welcome to another episode of It's Just Pennies. This is the Stock Whisperer. Before you enjoy today's episode, let me just state this. I am not a financial advisor, so if you're looking for financial advice, please seek an investment professional. The episode that you're about to hear is strictly for educational and informational purposes only. Hello, OTCers. I hope everyone is doing well. Hope everyone's in good health mentally, physically, and spiritually. Before I go any further, I feel like I, I owe everyone an apology. For the first time since starting the podcast, I believe I missed a week. Without going into specifics, sometimes life events take over and have us a, and have a way of making us, you know, sit down and be still. Things happen. You have to reset. And just like Sunday, just like this past Sunday, for most states, we all have to uh, sometimes just spring forward an hour. You know, sometimes you were forced to take a step back, take a step out of a circle, you know, reevaluate to get a better view and understanding. And just like a slingshot, you have to pull back and shoot forward. You know, at times I find myself asking, how can I contribute more? How can I add value into this OTC world? Heck, I even wonder how can I add value to those who truly want to be a better trader, have a better understanding overall in the stock market when the OTC is stagnant like it is currently. Because it's when you're stagnant, when you get comfortable, when you get impatient. And there's a a big plus in being versatile that I think people, many people don't understand. And being versatile is very key. I know for me uh, specifically, when the OTC is stagnant, I like to trade the small cap pennies. And it dawned on me not too long ago, why not start sharing some of the small cap plays that I like and explaining why I like them and why I trade them. And then I can let each one of you decide for yourself if it's for you or not, which kind of makes sense if you really think about it, because I've been spending time uh, explaining the importance of knowing support and resistance, you know, understanding chart indicators and things like that. Speaking about at a, at a high level, you know, I need to do an episode on, of course, taxes as well as gap plays, understanding those. And I know there's a small group who truly want to do it. So I'm going to do my part and, and help with assisting people to be less stagnant. See, my vision runs deep and documenting the journey by using a podcast is just one piece for something that's so much greater and that one day I hope will come to fruition. And the more people that I'm able to help, inspire, and stay motivated, it makes even for a better story. Heck, I even found myself frustrated with the OTC because never in, in my time have I seen the drought or maybe we can say the inconsistency like we're seeing. So, you know, I, I had to reach out to someone who I hold in high regards to trading, who's probably 99% OTC. So we're going to call him Professor X. And without disclosing too much information, he's probably been doing it over 30 years, strictly OTC. And when he told me, it caught me off guard because he, and, and I was a little shocked. He basically said, when I was, you know, describing the OTC and how, the current state of how it is now, because because we really haven't had still those massive runners that we're used to seeing. Heck, we even have, haven't even had like that one or two each month that run over a thousand percent. And what he told me was that he's seen the OTC way worse. And it caught me off guard. And I'm like, really? But yeah, he basically said 
the OTC has been, there's been times where the OTC was way worse than what it was now. And that is felt for some in the last six to eight months. And then he proceeded to say that the biggest mistake people will make is forcing a trade or forcing a move because they're tired of being patient. And that, that hit me. One, because I preach patience and everything of that nature, but it also validated what I've been saying. So I felt like it's only right to pass that message on that ultimately this too shall pass the storm. Some of your quality place that just haven't moved yet is going to come. Because if you haven't noticed, there's been a lot of money trading in the OTC. Companies are now starting to put out updates and work on deals. And eventually the cream of the crowd will rise. And I'm definitely, definitely looking forward to it. So if you heard on the last episode, you would have noticed how I highlighted some energy stocks that was hot the, the previous week. Heck, even two of them that I mentioned had very strong Mondays at the time. And there's some other ones that, uh, that move very well. And that theme trickled down to the OTC. Energy and oil stocks with good share structures resulted in percentage gains. Sometimes the trend is clear. and Sometimes it's not. But right now, with the war going on, unfortunately, with recession impacting the big boards, I expect energy, oil stocks, and crypto stocks to continue to dominate across the board, especially that if the war continues, the Ukraine and uh, Russia war is what I'm speaking of. There will be no need to fall for market manipulation, chasing other things, because right now the trend is obvious of uh, where to look, in my personal opinion. Now, before I go any further, as I stated earlier in each episode, I, I want to make something clear that everything I'm saying is opinion-based. And I specifically, what I'm about to say, I have no proof yet. So it's just my opinion and based on experience and uh, history. Last season, uh, in one of the episodes, I spoke about how hedge funds, it feels like, and well, actually not fails, but actually hedge funds and companies lost billions of dollars on the meme stocks, right? Um, I remember doing interviews and I said, I feel like I, uh, I suspected that they would make money up by possibly uh, manipulating the OTC and at times illegally shorting stocks that don't get the, the attention uh, like the big boys do. So certain things may go on the, on the radar. And then at times things will just randomly start tanking, a lot of them with no merit at all. So fast forward uh, from those episodes, not too long ago, HBO drops a special season called Gaming Wall Street, where they spend time talking about shorting, which is legal. Shorting is definitely legal, but naked shorting isn't from my understanding. And if you haven't watched it, it's on HBO Max. Uh, it's called Gaming Wall Street. Very, very insightful. I think they're going to continue adding episodes. I hope they do because it's going to expose a lot of, uh, a lot of things that go on on Wall Street and you'll be able to see what's fair, what's right, what's not fair and what's not right. And I think in the end, hopefully it's going to open a lot of people's eyes to some of the craziness and market manipulation that, that goes on. So when you hear or read about people saying like naked shorting isn't real or it doesn't exist, they're just in denial. You know, some could be bashers. 
Uh, some can be trying to get the price to drop. I believe a lot of the quality tickers at times have been naked shorted. That's why, you know, you'll see some volume and it's just trading sideways to sideways. And when you look at level two, you'll just see the same either market makers or whoever just listed and they're trying to drive the price down slowly, especially when the share structure on many of them have not changed at all. It, it definitely started raising my eyes and I figured it's, it felt very suspicious. Unfortunately, as you will see on the Gaming Wall Street um, documentary that I forget which episode that unless you have the proper resources or you, you're able to get a whistleblower to speak up, it's very hard to prove. And that's why I have to say it is my opinion because I'm definitely researching. I'm definitely trying to figure out how to identify the naked shorting and the shorting in the OTC. Because what people don't understand is that when pretty much the SEC filings, well, they, the ruling that companies had to be up to date with their filings and things like that, some brokerages are now allowing the OTC stocks to be shorted that either didn't or made it very, very difficult. And I don't think people realize that. I'm not sure what margins you need to short uh, in the OTC. So uh, that's something I, I probably have to research, but that's something you can, you can research yourself. But tickers that I used to look at, like on the, in, in, on the details tab on the app that I use, it used to say hard to borrow. Hard to borrow mean is pretty much very hard to do a short or you couldn't do a short at all. And if you did, if you were able to do a short, the, the cost behind it was, was substantial depending on the ticker and some other variables. But now some of these tickers that used to be hard to borrow now say easy to borrow. And if anyone has shorted, has done research to about what shorting is, know that the easy to borrow stocks brokerages allow you to short those. And I'm starting to see that since, since companies now are required to have those filings, especially the SEC uh, companies that are, are reporting on to the SEC, the shorting now says easy to borrow. Now, again, I, I don't know the, the margins behind how big your account has to be in order to short the stock, but the fact that they now can at times, if companies don't release news and why we're waiting around, can have stocks being shorted. And at the time, many probably, many people didn't probably realize that it can happen, right? It, at times, it was just more like he say, she say type of thing. Bashers would say it's not true. And it was very difficult at the time to short stocks. But it seems like it may be getting easier, which causes manipulation at times as a stock slowly may be driven down while you're waiting for a news or a possible deal to be uh, completed. Just another added variable to test your patience. Now, I still don't fall for like the short float number uh, when it comes to the OTC because I don't think it's up to date like instantly. And with a short float pretty much is, it, it measures the ratio according to Investopedia that are, that are, it measures the ratio of shares that are currently shorted compared to the number of shares that's available, you know, that's available in the market. So ideally the knowing the short float number in a perfect world would help the investor understand the, the market overall sentiment. 
of a stock. But in the OTC, I don't think that short float um, number is accurate right away, if ever. Now, the short float does not take into consideration naked shorts. And according to Investopedia, what a naked short is, is basically shorting is continuing to happen because of loopholes and rules and discrepancies between paper and electronic trading systems. Again, if you haven't seen the gaming from Wall Street and you're really serious about the stock market, please watch it. Watch, I think it's two episodes, maybe three, because it's, it's very important. It speaks on shorting and naked shorting because naked shorting can affect the liquidity of a, a uh, particular stock within the marketplace. And when a particular, and when shares aren't available, some companies allow the naked shorting to still be done, which doesn't sound fair, does it? And if it is fair, how come everyone can't do it? Again, it's supposed to be illegal and it feels like it is illegal, but yet for some reason, it feels like it is being done. I have no proof of it, just my opinion. <sighs> so unfortunately, when a price is being walked down and the fundamentals hasn't uh, changed, it's not too much you can do. And I know many people are feeling like, oh my goodness, it's just, it's stuck here or it's being walked down and they got, they identify the catalyst and they're like, it, it, it's going the wrong way. And some, this is where people would just get out. And by getting out, it allows shorts to cover their short or even drop the price prior to it running up. But we know the manipulation cannot last forever and patience is going to pay. Remember that. On my end, I'm, I'm gonna, I feel like I've talked enough uh, for this episode, but I'm gonna continue to do my part. I'm gonna introduce uh, some small cap penny plays. I'm gonna continue calling OTC CEOs, sending emails, but it's only right that the podcast continue involves. And that's why I wanted to touch on the small cap penny plays because I'm going to spend time speaking on those because there's so much opportunity here. And to limit ourselves strictly to the OTC doesn't feel right, especially in these stagnant times. And if there's going to be times every blue moon where six months, eight months, you know, every few years, the OTC is stagnant, it's only right that those who are serious about trading have other options that they are comfortable with. So please, don't get caught off guard when I start talking about it, but I'm going to be sharing them. I'm not telling you these information for you to play the plays. It's just more to help you understand the importance of being diverse and well-equipped and being able to maneuver in, in the stock market. Speaking about, speaking about maneuvering, let's go ahead and before we end the episode, maneuver to something more positive. I feel like right now, a lot of eyes are on ICOA. I want to say last week they did an interview on CNBC. I'm not sure when it airs, but I think when it does air, it's going to attract a lot of uh, attention, which is very important because the same CEO is helping run MJWL and AAPT. And this pretty much is going to set the tone for those. And knowing how the CEO is handling ICOA, uh, knowing MJWL is a former runner to I think about 44, 50 cents, and his hand is in on all of them. The interview and the information that's going to be uh, aired on CNBC could ignite a lot of interest into those tickers that they already have. 
think uh, they've already gotten a lot of eyes on them. They're only going to get more. Hopefully by the time this airs, the uh, interview's out, if it already hasn't, and we have our answer. So some things to know about ICOA is pretty much, it doesn't look like they have any debt or any convertible notes, which is very, very important. I think the company actually acquired IBG and uh, BGBF, and then they canceled over 2 billion shares. I think they also been featured on New York Times Squared and even launched their website. All that sounds like a solid company. Now, I'm not trying to convince you to, to invest in any of that, but these are some of the things to look for as you're looking for uh, new OTC companies or as you continue to reevaluate your position in your current ones. Definitely keep that in mind. I expect the, uh, the success of the interview to open many people's eyes. Um, I think people where people are going to start doing once one of those tickers start moving is start doing research additionally to where else the CEO could be connected to. And then you may see a trend of uh, those prices and those tickers going up as well. All the tickers are pretty much down from their 52 week high, but they all have like high, high ceilings as long as the company continues to to uh, to execute and to continue to close on deals. Now, before I continue to uh, now, actually, before I conclude today's episode, I want to leave you with um, some words of positivity. As I've been doing, seems like the words of positivity is is a is a tremendous highlight in the show based on some of the feedback and uh, messages I've been receiving. So I want to keep that keep that going. This one comes from someone who I I like to listen to all his videos, Inky Johnson, and pretty much it says the price of regret is heavier than the price of discipline. Remember that. The price of regret is heavier, is far heavier than the price of discipline. Now, this concludes today's episode. As always, if you can, please rate, write a review of the platform you're listening to allows you to do so. If you have any questions or topic requests, please email me at pennystockwhisperer at gmail.com. Again, that's pennystockwhisperer at gmail.com. Other than that, have a good day and see you later.